Boston College holds their spring game on Saturday, and we learn a lot about the team, some of the players, and some names you probably don't know much about. All of this and more on today's Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. I'm also the editor and publisher of BC Bulletin, part of the Sports Illustrated and Fan Nation Network. You can find all of my work there. Now, on Saturday, Boston College held their annual Jay McGillis game, uh, spring game at Alumni Stadium. This is an exhibition game, and uh, the way that they held it this year was they split up the team into two. They had the team Boston and team college and uh, had them play uh, basically two quarters of regular of, of the regulars and backups, so the two deep. And then the second half was a 30-minute running clock of you know walk-ons, third stringers, guys that aren't on the two deep, uh, and you got a chance to watch all of that. Now, I said on last week's show I wasn't going as a media member this time. I have not been as a fan to a Boston College ba- uh, football game in three years since the beginning of the pa- before the pandemic started. I saw the Richmond game right before that. Um, now my son really has been dying to go, so I went as a fan. I just thought I'd you know spring game. If if people are out there dying for play by play for this game, it's pointless, and I'll tell you why in a second. It was enjoyable. There, it was a small crowd because, you know, as much as Jeff Halfley was hoping for a big crowd at this game, uh, it was a little bit more than you see in some of the spring games that I've been to in the past. But it still wasn't great, and the student section was dead, so they were there. You just didn't see a ton of them. But it was still an enjoyable experience. My son had a great time, and I had a blast too. So, what are the what are the things that I watched for in this game? Were some of the some of the names right? So, first of all, let's look at the offense. We'll break this down into. Um, a, a couple different segments here. We're going to start with the offense. We'll get into the defense and I'll, and then kind of my final thoughts and, and some other things that went on at BC. So the offense, of course, the big question mark heading into this game was Phil Dracovic. And how is he going to look? Because, you know, he last time we saw him against Wake Forest, he had that hand issue still from the surgery that he had. He didn't look 100%. He looked 100% in this game. Now, he went 8 for 17. I don't know what his yardage were. You don't get full stats for a lot of this stuff. Um, he went 8 for 17, but he looked comfortable back there. He, you know, he was getting the ball out easily. He had some good touches on some of his passes. Now, he was playing with, you know, not a full deck on offense. For a few different reasons. First of all, his wide receiver Zay Flowers only returned, I think, two punts, and I don't. And I'm saying returned. I don't think he got touched. So, which is what you want from Zay Flowers. You don't want that guy. I mean, the last thing you want is Zay Flowers getting hit and losing losing him for the season for a stupid exhibition game that's played in front of like you know 1,200 people. Um, but so Djokovic was playing with like Taji Johnson, Jaden Williams, Lewis Bond, uh, those guys out there. I thought he looked fine. For, for what he had to do. Now, the other piece that limited Dracovic, and Halfley talked about this after the game, for as I said on last week's show, if you were going into this game expecting, you know, BC to showcase their new look offensive playbook and they're going to do all this razzle-dazzle, I said, curb your enthusiasm here for a second because that is never going to happen. And when I said that, I was like, you know, they'll cut back to the back on the, you know, the the playbook because it's Halfley. This game was on ACC Network. He is a guy that is 
driven to not put anything on film that fa- uh, players can uh, other teams can use against them. He said that when they hired John McNulty, that they don't that the first game will be a great way to surprise their opponent when they play Rutgers. So you best believe when they went into this game, they're going to be with a, a slimmed down uh, playbook. How slimmed down was it? Four plays. They played four different types of plays in this entire game. That was, you know, he said, he joked about it with the reporters after the game. He said, we, we fit all our plays on an index card. So that's how basic this game was. So there was things to, 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 li- to like about the offense, though. Taji Johnson, my goodness. You know, I think a lot of people were wondering why C.J. Lewis, the star, uh, well, not star wide receiver, a good solid wide receiver, entered the transfer portal. And I think the answer is Taji Johnson. Taji Johnson is a sophomore or junior, depending on what his eligibility looks like with um, the COVID stuff. He is 6'4". He has great hands. He made a couple catches off of a bunch of different quarterbacks. He can he can high point balls. He's got good length. He's quick. He's got to be in that offense. They got to figure out ways to get him on that field. And now I see why Lewis left because you would be possibly you know, blocking Taji's uh, spot in the rotation. So I think Taji Johnson looked great. He had about six or seven catches, really looked dynamic. The other player that really stood out to me was Xavier Coleman, their running back. And I and I hesitate to call Coleman. He's a redshirt freshman from Zenate, New Jersey. I, I, I hesitate to call him a running back because he did run the ball, but they moved him all over the field. And in fact, he caught... His, the one the, one of the touchdown passes from Dracovic lined up as a wide receiver. Now, Mitch Wolf on our show, and usually this is Mondays with Mitch, but Mitch can't be here today. Mitch said, you know, watch out for Xavier Coleman. They're going to move him all over the line. And what happens in that first game, just a spring game, Xavier Coleman's lined up as a wide receiver. He is wide open and catches a, a nice pass from Phil Dracovic for a touchdown. So, I think he, you know, you're going to expect running backs Pat Garwo and Alex Sinkfield to be the primary primary running backs. But I, I said last week that I thought Coleman might fill the role of Travis Levy, you know, the guy that does the third down stuff and all that good stuff. And I'm sure he'll do pieces of that. But I think Coleman's role is going to be more dynamic than that. They're going to line him up in the slot. They're going to move him all around because he's a target you can get out there and he has speed. And that's what you want in Jeff Halfley's offense is speed. So in terms of the targets on the field, those were the big ones. You know, George Takis, Takis, the new tight end, was there. Didn't see much out of him. Joey Lucchetti didn't play. He was on the sideline without pads on. Um, the offensive line was the other piece I wanted to talk about. I thought the offensive line did good. Again, though, how can you – because the defense was limited, they couldn't sack the quarterback. They blew it dead every time. Um, and, you know, I don't know how you can gauge how that offensive line really did. Because it was so limited on how often they could get to the quarterback or, or, you know, make plays, extend, things like that. So the starting offensive line was what we've predicted all along. It was Drew Kendall at center with Ozzy Trapillo and Jack Conley. And then at guard, it was Christian Mahogany, who scored the touchdown in the greatest play of the game. We'll get to that in a second. And... Also, Finn Durstein. Finn Durstein has been a guy that, you know, he's a former four-star from the area. I think he went to Lawrence Academy. We've been waiting for him to get his role to start, and he was with the starters. Now, the backups, you saw Dwayne Alec, I think it was Jackson, Ness, Kevin Klein, and um, Jude Bowery and a few other guys that were rotating in and out. The name that I thought was interesting that was not out there all that often was Kevin Pine. 
Another four star. He did. I don't know what's going on. I, I can't get a read on what they're doing with him. He was not with the ones. He was not with the twos. He he was in that group that played at the very end of the game. So it was interesting to see him there. Um, but let's get to the offensive play of the game. And it has and it's again the spring game is fun. And this was a fun get, moment for them. You know, it's good to see the guys ha- get to to relax like this. So. They get to the one-yard line, I think it was Team Boston, and they sub out Dracovic with Christian Mahogany, and they line him up at Wildcat, meaning he's at the quarterback position. And Christian Mahogany is like 6'5", 330 pounds. Like, this is literally, if you know, remember Frigerator Perry, this is the Frigerator Perry moment. They hike the ball to him, and he just blasts ahead. Touchdown. Easy play. Again, you know, after the game, Halfley said this was Mahogany's call. He said he could do it. They were going to have some fun. But the fun doesn't stop with the touchdown, which in itself was fun. They then grab Christian Mahogany, uh, the offensive line, and they put him up to do a fake keg stand off of, I think, Jack Conley, I think was the one on the bottom. But that was a great moment as well. And I have the picture up at AJ Black underscore BC on Twitter. But again, the spring game, this is not something they're going to put a ton on film. It's a lot just to have fun. That was a fun moment. And you know, I, this is the first spring game since Steve Adazio was there. Je- Jeff Halfley hasn't had a spring game. So this was a special moment. So that was fun. Now, in a moment, we'll get into the defensive side of the ball, which saw some interesting players that you will want to know about. Now, it's that time of the year that I've pretty much given up on my New Year's resolutions and any goals that I've made for my, my year. But this year, I have turned it around thanks to Built Bar. There are a resolution and a goal that I like to use because I actually enjoy eating them. And if you tried the Puffs, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallow, they're not just protein bars, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. They're so good. I am get hungry just thinking about them. They're low calorie, high protein, and you can replace all those treats with the Built Bar because you're going to love eating them. And you know why? They only got like 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and have delicious flavors including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. So head on over to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your order. Again, head over to Built.com and use LOCKED15 for 15% off. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black, we're talking about the Jay McGillis spring game. Now, the defense, before we get into how the defense played, every year they have a special ceremony during the Jay McGillis spring game that gives out uh, the Jay McGillis scholarship. Now, Jay McGillis was a local defensive back that played for the Eagles. Uh, he was diagnosed with cancer in 1991 and passed away in 1992. And, uh, you know, he's part of the uh, Tom Coughlin teams. And they've done this scholarship, giving out his, a scholarship to a defensive back every year. And this year it went to um, Jaden Woodbay. Uh, the transfer from uh, Florida State. Now, speaking of the secondary, because the secondary had an excellent game in this uh, matchup. Now, a lot, when I got when I watched, one of the biggest plays I saw was Elijah Jones. He's a cornerback. He was, you know, one of the, the one of the starters last year. Uh, he looked he looked great out there. He made a nice. He was nice and tight in coverage. Swatted a pass away. And in, in, in addition, you saw Josh DeBerry make a play, and I was I was blown away. By Cole Batson, a safety, you know, who's a redshirt freshman, 
they're going to need a couple safeties. They they do a lot of different things, so they usually they, they cycle in guys in and out. And you know, Jamin uh, Muse is gone. Dion Jones is now at James Madison, so they're going to need some some players to step up. Now, the thought was going to be that. Uh, Jason Matry was going to do that, and he hasn't. I think he's still out with an injury, so he wasn't able to play. But Cole Batson, he's big. I, that was what stuck stuck out to me. He was a big kid, um, and I think he's going to be a, a really talented defensive back. He's from California, redshirt freshman. I think he'll be he'll be someone you're going to want to watch for. Now on the defensive line, it was interesting because if you were watching the game, BC's. Uh, projected three of their stars on the defensive line were not playing. Marcus Valdez, Del, Marcus Valdez was out, along with Shida Salah and Chibuzi Anwuka. And Halfley, of course, is not going to tell you anyone anything about what's going on with their injuries. But what stood out to me on the defensive line were some of the younger kids that were on uh, that were getting some of those snaps. And the biggest, I mean, the, the MVP of the game for me was... Uh, Ty Clemens, who's a defensive back, uh, sorry, defensive lineman, the edge player from Harvest, Alabama. This was one of the kids. He uh, committed to BC like very, very late in the cycle. Uh, I think he signed right on the early signing day period on December 16th in 2020. He only had offers from Tulane and Jacksonville State. And he had three sacks in this game. Real good explosion off the ball, good movement, real physical kid. Loved his play. I hope he gets a chance to play this season. And along with him, Donovan Azaraku looked like he put on some weight as well because he looked bigger. Um, and he also had a sack in an interesting play where he uh, – it was a sack where it looked like Chris Banks was lined up as an edge. Uh, he was more on the outside on that, at that point. And, and Banks just basically blasted past his defense, offensive lineman. Azaraku on the other side, they got right to the quarterback. So – I loved the play of some of these offensive linemen. Um, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting battle heading into spring football. I mean, summer football. Because I imagine Marcus Valdez is going to get that starting job. As he should. He's one of the better off- defensive linemen, you know, in the, in the ACC. He's like, not superstar, but just solid. And you're not going to beat that with other guys on your roster right now. What's su- what will surprise me and what I'm gonna watch for, especially on that defensive line, is that other defensive end position. Sheeta Salah hasn't been consistent in two years. And I and Halfley referred to him as the starter, which, you know, he's an upperclassman, he probably deserves it. But I'm interested in these young kids because, you know, we're still playing with def- two defensive ends that were from Steve Adazio's system. Jeff Halfley has talked about speed, and Valdez has decent speed. Salah, eh, you know, he's got it a little bit, but I'm not, he's not like the guy that I would consider really fast. But these new kids, Clemens, Akpala, Azaraku, I, I, you got to get them out there sooner rather than later. So I imagine that you'll see Salah start off, and if he doesn't, if he doesn't do the right thing and, and, and become the player that some people hope he will become, you're going to see some of these other kids come in. Because we saw what Clemens can do in this game. And again, it was against the second second defense offense. So that is what it is. But there's some talent. There's some explosiveness there that's been lacking at BC's uh, defensive line. A defensive line and a defense in general that's 98th in sacks in the country last year. So I think that's going to be a storyline you're going to want to watch for heading into the 2022 season. But again, I said this last week. With the defense, uh, there, were, there was good 
pressure on the on the um, outsides in terms of covering the wide receivers. They got flagged quite a few times for pass interference. I noticed that quite a bit, um, which Halfley said after the game he's going to watch the film and see what he can work on with that group. But the the secondary, I think that's the, the that's the takeaway from this game, is that secondary has a, a chance to make BC's defense really good. But as much as you want to see them do that, they were third in the country last year, and that defense, would you consider them elite? I wouldn't. There's other areas that we're going to have to wait and see next year where they get. And I think a lot of that deals with the interior of that defensive line. Are they going to be able to stop some of those runs because they were not good against the run? Are they going to be able to stop mobile quarterbacks? They were not good against mobile quarterbacks. And again, in a spring game like we just saw, you're not going to be able to get those answers until next season. So it was an interesting matchup. I like seeing some of those young guys get out there. But in our final segment, I'll talk about some of our final takeaways from the spring game. I'll also get into Coach Googs' Tweet of the Week. We don't have Mitch today, but I got a couple I want to get into. And some other news from the weekend. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Locked on Boston College, AJ Black here. We're wrapping up our conversation about this spring game. And, you know, credit to Boston College for putting on something that was re- relatively enjoyable for fans, I'm sure. They, they saw, you know, got more concessions open. You know, Jeff Halfley was out there with t-shirt guns. They were doing kicking competitions. They did a bunch of things to keep it going. Uh, that was fun. And the weather held out. I left my house over out by Worcester, and it was like a monsoon out. But by the time I got to Chestnut Hill, it had cleared up, and it stayed like that throughout the game. So that was good. So what do you take away from a game like this? Not much. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm gonna the, the, the main takeaway from this game is you got to watch a few younger kids and some sparks of what you might see in, in the future. I think that's all you can take away. You saw maybe some offensive linemen that were interesting. You saw Ty Clemens have a big game. You saw um, Taji Johnson play well or Lewis Bond play well. I think those little sparks are what you can take away. But in the end of the day, they're not playing with Zay Flowers. They're not playing with Jalen Gill. You know, Pat Garrow was limited. You, you know, they're playing with four offensive plays in their entire playbook. You know, it, it's hard to watch this and say, Oh, there were winners and losers in this game. It is not. You can't you can't dive into a spring game like that. You can look at performances and say, "Okay, that guy made a, a great play here. That was great. You know, he this this guy can make some catches. Uh he's fast off the line. Those types of things." But scheme, no. Time management, no. Goal line mistakes, nah, I don't think so. It it's just fun. And it's a way for the players and I thought Halfley said it nicely after the game. It's it's a chance for them to perform in front of um, an audience because some of these younger kids have not done that in a while. So I thought that was an interesting way to end that game. So that was it. The spring game is over. Boston College now goes off for a while. Coach is going to hit the recruiting trail. We'll have all of that on Locked On Boston College throughout the summer. You'll want to check that out. And then they get ready for that early September game against Rutgers. It's a home game against the, a Big Ten opponent. And I'm telling you, do not sleep on Rutgers. 
because, and I'm going to say this all summer long, they are recruiting well. Greg Schiano is a good coach, and I think they could be a dangerous team. It's going to be a good start of the season and a good matchup between two East Coast bat, um, East Coast rivals. So one other thing, let's get into Coach Googs because this was fun. Now, if you haven't been following along, we've started our own Coach Googs Tweet of the Week. Now, Coach Googliamo is BC's new offensive line coach and has become quite the Twitter personality. And every week he tweets. He's a he's a he's a pretty heavy volume tweeter, uh, and he's he has his hashtag Big Dog stuff, and it's kind of his like motto for recruitment and getting all these new kids on campus and his. You know, current lines, they're all big dogs and everything's a big dog. So I every day I have I'm like, oh, this is definitely going to be my coach Googs tweet of the week because there's so many great ones. But it the, the two that I'm going to select for this episode came at the very end of the week and one came yesterday. Uh, coach Googs has just found out what the mods are. Or he must, or he knew about the mods, but he's like become obsessed with the mods now and tweets about them all the time. And he's been kind of getting on this like bent about seeing the mods outside of his out of out of his office and the, all the energy there. So here's his tweet that was sent yesterday morning at 7 a.m. Me, just a chubby hashtag big dog sitting in the parking lot outside the mods waiting for the revelry to begin. It's 7 a.m. You've had three hours of sleep. Walsh Dining Hall has the hot coffee brewing. Come on, monsters, let's get our bird on. And then he's got a picture of like a cartoon bird. Um. I, I don't know. The 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 mental picture of Coach Googs outside of the mods is something I can't get out of. It's almost like it's creepy, but it's not really creepy, but I love it. So that was my first one because Coach Googs is just waiting for those kids to show up. And hopefully he didn't get disappointed because uh, there wasn't a huge uh, student group at uh, the game. But the second one came just on Sunday night and it was in re- it was in reference to um, Boston, the Boston College Twitter account. He likes to retweet stuff about BC, talk about how great the campus is. He had something about um, a guest speaker coming on and he retweets like every athletic group that comes on. Um, and it was at BC, so it was at Boston College. So at BC CSUN, Professor Ann Wolbert Burgess was a pioneer with the FBI in the 1970s, helping in the evolution of criminal profiling in its application to several killer serial killer investigations. It's a whole article about that. Coach Googs retweets it with FBI in BC, keeping America safe from serial killers for over 50 years. Again, not as ridiculous as some of it, but it was just like, I don't know, like his whole personality and his whole take he has on everything being kind of over the top. I just saw that like FBI and BC saving the world from serial killers. That's your coach Googs for you. I mean, there's other things I could have put in. He also learned what a keg stand was after uh, Christian Mahogany did one. He had no idea what that was. He praised them for doing it and then said, oh, no, keg stands are not what big dogs do. Uh, There was other... um, Connections to other famous people throughout the week. I mean, I could go on and on and on about those ones. Um, And then he's been interacting with fans. So, hey, love it. It's always a lot of fun. So that was our Coach Googs Tweets of the Week. Now, in terms of news from around Boston College, directly after the spring game was women's lacrosse as they played Notre Dame at home. And they won 16-10 in a nice game uh, for them. Baseball. 
They dropped two out of three. I can't. I don't know what else to talk about baseball anymore. They let up ten runs plus two out of the three games. They won one, so that's good, I guess. They're now three and four, 13 in the ACC. Um, it just uh, the pitching is. I mean, every it's it, there's a lot of issues going on with the squad, um, and it was just another tough weekend for the baseball team. So that happened, and then finally, Demar Langford uh, announced for the NBA draft on Sunday. Or Saturday. Now, for folks that don't understand how this kind of works, it's not that big of a deal. Because he didn't hire an agent, which means he can come back if he's not going to get drafted. Or most likely if he's not going to get drafted in the first round. And Damar Langford is not going to get drafted in the first round yet. Uh, he's not there yet. He's he, Obviously, he had a very good end of the season. It's really started to come on, but... NBA teams are going to want more than that, so I don't, I don't see him as a first-round draft pick. So he, you know what? This is a great move for him. This is a smart move for him because he gets to go play out the whole process, get himself evaluated, get himself checked out by scouts, see what they say about his game. Where does he lack? Where can he work on? Um, what does it feel like going through these drills and things like that? It's perfect. It's not, you know. You almost wish that more players on the team would do it just to get the experience. Like someone like Jaden Zachary, why doesn't he go try it? Um, it would be good, good, good for them to just try it out. It's and they're all going to come back. There's no one on Boston College right now that is an NBA ready talent. There could be they could develop into that, but right now they're not there. So this is good for for Langford. You know, we'll wait and hear when he gets uh, announces he's coming back. Um, but he's announced for the draft, so we'll see where he goes. We have a big announcement for tomorrow's show. And this tomorrow's show is one that you're not going to want to miss. Now, if you were paying attention to social media, you saw that wide receiver Zay Flowers was at a BMW uh, as part of his NIL deal. He got a brand new Beamer. Um, so great deal for him. But we were reached out to by some of his people and got a chance to interview Zay Flowers, and it's already been recorded. Now, I because of my other other commitments, I couldn't make it there. But if you listen to this podcast before, you've heard Jack Coleman, uh, who's a friend of the show. He has his own podcast called What's Potting with Jack Coleman. He's a BC senior. He interviewed. Uh, I gave him some questions to ask Zay, and so we're gonna have that interview with Zay Flowers on Tuesday's show. So you're not going to want to miss that. We talk all about a lot of things about Zay Flowers you're going to want to know about. Now, you can follow me on Twitter at LockedOnBC or at AJBlack underscore BC. Make sure to follow us on YouTube. Just look up LockedOnBoston College. Hit that subscribe button. We'll be back again tomorrow again with that Zay Flowers interview. You're going to want to hear that. See you again soon. Take care, everyone.